Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, once again, welcome to our service, uh, those of you who are viewing at a distance. Uh, great to connect with you this way. We just trust that uh, God is at work in your life and that uh, this service can be a blessing to you. And that uh, even though you're not with us in person, you're, you're worshiping God, knowing his goodness, knowing his presence, knowing his love. Uh, one announcement just before I, I speak today, I want to let you know that uh, we have concluded our search for a youth pastor here at IPC. Some of you may have heard this already, I don't know, but uh, Steve Owen has agreed to uh, come on board and uh, work for us. Steve has been involved in youth ministry for five or six years extensively, both in junior high and senior high, and actually it was Steve who initiated the Sunday morning uh, junior high ministry that has been going on for a couple of years. So his heart is with youth loves to work the, with the kids, loves the kids. And uh, we've just discerned through interviewing many people, both within and without our congregation, that uh, Steve's the man. So welcome, Steve. It's great to have you with us. And we look forward to your ministry uh, at IPC, what God will do through, uh, through you. Let's pray together. Let's ask God to bless as we consider his word, as we dig in to another text uh, this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we are before you as your people. Uh, we are before you as people who trust in you, people who love you, people who are hungry, Lord, for your word to know more of what it means to follow Christ. And uh, as we often pray, we pray that you'll speak now. Lord, I just want to take a minute to pray for our congregation, pray for, for all of those who are uh, part of the family of IPC, be with each of them, Lord, in their own circumstance and in their own need. Meet their needs, God, we pray. Cause them to know your presence and your goodness. Lord, we think of people who are watching who are not part of this church. Maybe people, Lord, who are just investigating Christianity and not at the point of faith. We pray that you will speak to them today also and that you'll bless their lives and that uh, they will be led toward you in a relationship with Christ. Uh, so, Lord, uh, come now by your Holy Spirit speak in a unique and in a powerful and in a good way. Uh, allow the words of Scripture to come to life for everyone who is listening. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin today by telling you a story of, uh, of a man that uh, many of you will know, those of you who are part of IPC, uh, definitely, uh, Bill Chesney. Bill has given me permission to tell his story, uh, Nancy also. Uh, and uh, I think it's a great way to begin the comments that uh, flow from Scripture today. Bill has been a leader in our church for many years. I think for more than 40 years, he was an effective leader uh, at IPC. Through his leadership as our clerk of session and then other elders, that we took significant steps of faith forward time and time again, trusting God to provide for that which we honestly believed God was leading us to. And uh, as a result, this church has grown and, and, and we are what we are now. And, and I'm just so thankful for Bill and for his ministry as, uh, of leadership among us for so many years. Anyway, last fall, Bill discovered that he had pancreatic cancer. And as many of you will know, that's a, that's a, a dangerous and life-threatening cancer that, uh, that is a challenge. Well, with ba Bill's faith and his positive attitude that uh, that he has held for so many years. And even though he's well into his 80s, Bill decided to take the treatment that was necessary in order to shrink the tumor so that he could have a significant, uh, dangerous surgery in order to remove the cancer. Well, the treatment went well. God answered prayer in significant ways. And the um, surgery happened roughly a month ago. 
and Bill came through it well. A six to eight hour surgery and uh, a challenge, but uh, he, he came through and he was back home and, and feeling better, recovering slowly. Until uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, one morning, Bill he- heard a pop in his chest. I didn't know what that was. <clears throat> he had also been struggling with some pain in his abdomen for some time and uh, just thought that it was part of the ongoing recovery. Well, later that day, um, uh, Bill w- went, to the, went to the hospital um, and uh, recognized something was wrong. I'll tell you about that process in a minute. But when he arrived at the hospital in London, he literally collapsed on the sidewalk and his heart stopped. Uh, The emergency nurses and doctors came rushing to him and administered CPR, got his heart pumping again, got him inside, discovered that the pop had been a collapsed lung on one side, uh, that the pain in the abdomen was an infection that had developed since the surgery, and um, began the treatments that were necessary for him to recover. Um, We have prayed for Bill. And I would encourage you to really continue to do that as he does recover. He has asked me, knowing that I'd be speaking to this uh, today, to thank you for the prayer that's gone up uh, before uh, the Lord from this congregation. He's very thankful, and I pass that thanks on to you right now. But the reason I tell you this story is because Bill and Nancy are absolutely convinced that on that day, God intervened numerous times to save Bill's life. For example... Um, Let me tell you how. Bill Bill and Nancy's daughter lives well north of here, and she calls daily just to check up on her dad and her mom during a pretty difficult time. That call always comes after supper, consistently. But for some reason, that day when the pop happened and Bill was rushed to the hospital, um, their daughter called at 5 o'clock, unusually, heard that Bill wasn't doing well, and absolutely insisted that he go to the hospital. Bill resisted, as is his way, (laughs) going to the doctor. But she was adamant and would not get off the phone until Bill agreed to go. Now think about it. If that call hadn't happened, and and if he hadn't been, you know, pushed (laughs) to go to the hospital, that collapse could have happened at home with the heart stopping, with no one there to save Bill, and he could have been gone remarkable instance that took place to move in a good way so that Bill uh, would be able to survive. Another little instance, they called one of their sons and said, can you come right away and and take us to the hospital? That son said, if you had called two minutes later, I would have been gone. You wouldn't have gotten a hold of me. But the son came and drove them there quickly. Another instance, a daughter-in-law has some influence at the hospital in London, called ahead to her connections uh, the, su- the superiors of the doctors and nurses in emergency were told, there's a man named Bill Chesney coming, be ready for him. When he arrives, take care of that man. And they were, and they saved his life. One other little thing, little maybe, maybe not so little, there was a detour on the way to the hospital. And when you think about it, it took about 10 minutes, and you think about it, if that detour had taken one minute more to accomplish, uh, Bill's heart would have stopped in the car and, and he wouldn't have survived. What I'm saying to you is that Bill and Nancy believed to the bottom of their hearts that they experienced repeatedly the intervention of God that day to allow Bill to survive and to continue to get well as he is now. An amazing experience of God in their minds. And I think from any perspective, you've had to to say that that confluence of of, of numerous uh, incidents and and activities was nothing other than God 
providing so that Bill could be cared for in the way that he needed it. Well, the reason I tell you this is because this story leads us, if you would, to another singular priority that we can consider from our lives that comes from Scripture. Another one thing comment that the Bible gives to us that we can take seriously and build into our lives as a priority that we uh, might continue to grow and deepen in our knowledge of God. Story is, uh, is traditionally called the story of the man born blind. And as I read this to you, I, I want you to note the number of times it speaks of seeing or not seeing and how Jesus references himself as the light of the world, the one who shone brightly into the world then and we believe still does so that people could see and understand the goodness and the, the amazing reality of God. So, John chapter 9, 1 to 34, it's a bit of a longer text, but I want to read it all to you, and then we'll dig in. It says this, As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can uh, see? Now he can see. We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, 
What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? And they hurled insults at him and said, You were a fellow, this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, This is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Remarkable story. Remarkable instance of this man's experience of Jesus. But what is that one thing? Did you hear it? This one thing I know, he said. The one thing is this person so experienced Jesus in his life that he came to know him and was deeply and profoundly changed by him. He, he had that experience where his eyes were opened so that he could see <laughs> the light of the world. Christ had shone and enabled him to see what he couldn't see before. By the way, both physically and spiritually in the end. Now I want you to no notice the side stories in this text. Just briefly. Jesus comes along with his disciples and notes the man sitting, probably begging, because that's what people in this condition were able to do, nothing more. The disciples launched into a current theological debate that uh, was going on at the time and asked Jesus whether the man was born blind because of his own sin or because of the sin of his parents. That was the belief. Somebody sinned and God has punished. By the way, this is a great text for people who think when they go through hard times that God is punishing them. Well, you know what? Jesus just said, take that off the table. That is not how God works. That blindness exists, and I quote, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did you hear that? So that the works of God might be displayed in him. So that people might see how real God is, the man himself and others, so that people might understand that God is real and that God is present and that God is good and that God is powerful in the person of Jesus. So Jesus, of course, goes ahead and he heals the man with mud and, and, and sends him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. He sent him to the pool of sent and the man went. He responded to Jesus' words by faith and he was healed Another rabbit trail emerges later on. The Pharisees uh, ask the questions of, of the man and they end up criticizing Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. They believed that Jesus was breaking the law and therefore a sinner. Well, it was man's law, but it wasn't God's law. Humanly created law. And they, they were completely out of touch with what God was doing in the moment. They were completely out of touch with God's desire to bless, out of touch with the heart of God in this instance as a scene in what Jesus is doing. Essentially, they are the spiritually blind ones. Text makes that clear. So they call Jesus a sinner, to which this man replies, and I'm going to read verse 25 again, because it is the verse that we want to consider today. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't it remarkable that he, he had this experience of Christ acting in his life so that without even knowing who Jesus was, 
He encounters him. He, he, he feels the touch in his eyes. He hears his voice. And through that experience of Jesus, his life is profoundly changed forever. And because of that encounter, not only did he see, but in time, he came to believe and worship Christ. Listen to this, verse 35 to 38. Jesus heard, this is after the story that I described to you. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I, might, I may believe in him. Jesus answered, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Do you, do you hear the reality of what happened there? This man encountered Christ, then he came to know who Jesus was, and he ended up worshiping him out of faith. Remarkable experience that the man engaged. I want to tell you, my friends, this sort of thing happens over and over and over in the Bible. If you've read it, you'll know it. Moses encountering God in a burning bush. Life changed. Elijah in a cave. Paul on the road to Damascus. Peter on a rooftop. Over and over, human beings experience God. <laughs> and, and they encounter the reality of the Lord and they are changed by it. See, my friends, God desires that his work be displayed in the lives of his followers so that everyone might see him not only with physical eyes but with spiritual eyes. That they might come to that point of really believing in him that they might come to that place of actually worshiping him. That's significant. Uh, you know, I, I want to speak to the Reformed folks among us. I'm one of them, theologically. You know, that's our background. And there are many, many, many of you in the church, although we have people from a non-Reformed back, background as well. But I want to say this. For too long, we have questioned experience. You know, thought of it as too subjective, thought of it as too emotional. My goodness, this man must have been emotional when his eyes were opened. And, and we have got to come to the place where we recognize, yes, truth and biblical knowledge is incredibly important. That's our background, isn't it? That's the story of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. Truth is incredibly important as it's spoken in Scripture. But what comes first here? I want to tell you, it was the experience of Jesus which led to the knowledge of who Jesus was, which led to faith, which led to this man worshiping Christ. It's remarkable that we recognize this. And I want to say this morning that we need this dynamic at work in our lives too. This is, is what the text is about. So that we might see the works of God in this world, even in our own experience, and that others might see it, so that our eyes might be open to truly know at a deep, profoundly deep level who Jesus is, that our faith might deepen and grow. And we might end up worshiping Christ as we never have before. How does this happen? How does this happen? Well, in conversion. The story I've read to you is this blind man's conversion. That moment where he came to faith in Christ. And I want you to note this. This is so important. This man does not see Jesus as Jesus approached him. Jesus saw the man. Jesus understood his need. And then Jesus acted for him. You know? Isn't that a remarkable thing? This man didn't even ask Jesus to heal him, the text described. 
Jesus acted knowing the man's need. And my friends, this is how we are saved. We don't see Christ in our unbelieving state. Our hearts are not inclined toward him. We don't believe in him. He sees us in our need. And out of his love for us, he works by his spirit in a miraculous way so that our hearts are changed, our minds are open to that truth, and we believe. It's an incredible experience of Jesus. Have you had it? There's a a pastor in Tilsonburg uh, working at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church named Paul Robinson. Paul listens to these services I know online, and um, I hope you're okay with me telling the story, Paul. I'm sure you will be. But he tells me as a young man, he became interested in a young woman who became his wife, ultimately. I believe Paul at that point was at RMC, Royal Military College, in officer training for the military, and um, they talked about faith, but Paul didn't believe. He, he was invited to a Bible study, and the discussion happened over Scripture, but he still didn't believe. And at the end of that time, that group of people went into prayer, and Paul said that something happened during that time of prayer, so that when the prayer ended, it was done. Those were his words to me. He believed because Christ touched his heart and because Christ opened his eyes. You see, the light of the world shone into his experience, into his mind and into his heart. And a miracle took place, which was the work of God in his life as Paul Robinson experienced Jesus in a profound and life-changing way. Now again, my friends, A lot of people need this. I don't know if you've ever come to Christ by faith. I don't know if you have yet encountered Jesus in this way. But could it be right now that the Lord Jesus sees you in a way you don't see him? That he sees your need, your need for forgiveness, your need for a relationship with God, your need for his spirit in your life? And he's saying now is the time? If that's your reality, respond to that by faith by recognizing who Jesus is, by inviting him to forgive your sin, to become your Lord. It'll be an amazing day in your experience and it will change your life if you'll say yes to Jesus. What about beyond conversion as the story unfolds? Well, I'm going to tell you some of the most profound experiences I have had of Jesus in my life. Not all of them by any means. Some of them are very personal and, and uh, you know, uh, I'm going to share the ones that In many instances, I think I've shared with you before, but I want you to understand these are significant experiences of Christ where he opened my eyes to see him as he worked in my life. And it'll illustrate how that happens sometimes. Well, I want to talk to you about the experience when more than any other time in my life, the Lord Jesus guided me. He told me how to move forward. About 10 years into ministry at IPC, I was invited to consider going to be a pastor of a church in Vancouver. The dean of the seminary that I had gone to uh, for my training as a pastor had written me a seven-page handwritten letter and uh, inviting me to come. He was a parishioner in that church. And I was tempted. You know, that's, that's tempting. Vancouver and the mountains and the adventure of it all. Well, I prayed and I sought God and I was asking him to lead me and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have clarity I was reading at the time a little devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, a fantastic devotional guide. If you haven't used it, get a hold of it and use it. It's wonderful. 
But in, on that particular day that I remember, I was reading through the, the comments about a particular passage of Scripture. And at the end of the middle paragraph, it said this, and I know the words by heart because they made such an impression on me. The words were written, you cannot choose the location of your service. And in that moment, I knew that I had encountered Christ. He had spoken to me. It, it wouldn't have been any more clear or any more real if Jesus had appeared before me and spoken audibly. In that moment, I knew that Jesus had given me the guidance that I needed and that even though it was an attractive opportunity and looked pretty exciting and good, Jesus was saying, no, 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 I want you here in Intercap. You stay where you are and I will use you. Beautiful moment where I encountered the living Lord and it impacted my life and changed me. Another example, inner healing. Um, the, we have an inner healing ministry here called Healing Care Ministry. Uh, I have been through that process in various locations and various ways uh, over the, the last bunch of years in my life. And I want to tell you, I have encountered Christ in a profoundly deep and life-changing way. Um, more so than I had, I had known up until this time. One of the experiences that I had happened on my sabbatical uh, in 2013. I was in England. Someone had offered me uh, the opportunity just to get away in the south uh, coast of England, a condo overlooking the water. And I chose to, to go there to, to have a spiritual retreat, etc. I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen, which was describing to me in that moment what God thought of me, his love toward me, his positive attitude toward me, and so on. I had read the book before, but I had read it intellectually. But in this experience, Christ came by his spirit and applied those words to my life in a powerful way. And as I had made note of them and I had journaled them and I read my journal notes again, I closed my eyes. And in that place, I saw, almost as if, again, as real as if I had opened my eyes and seen something, but I saw the love of God being poured into my heart, into my body. And as that love flowed from God into me, um, I was overwhelmed. I was moved to tears because for the first time in my life, there wasn't a fraction of judgment in my experience of God's love. Nothing. Not even an infinitesimal, infinitesimal small amount of love, of judgment, sorry. It was pure love, pure love that I was experiencing. And my response to this experience of Christ at work in me by his spirit literally was, is this really you, God? Those were my words spoken out loud several times. Is this really you, God? Well, that day I saw what I hadn't seen before. And that day Jesus changed me. My friends, we have a healing care ministry at IPC. And I would encourage you when the opportunity comes and as God leads for you to engage in that process. For there, we lead people in a gentle and beautiful way through a process where they are led into the presence of the Lord Jesus. And it is there that he heals. The idea is that episodic wounding, an experience of wounding, needs to be met with an episodic healing experience through an encounter with Christ by his Holy Spirit. Consider that. You can be made whole. You can be healed by Jesus and it will change your, li your life. It will open your eyes to his truth. 
It will be a huge blessing. Jesus wants to heal. We saw it in John chapter 9. We've seen it in many lives here at IPC. What about the idea of encountering God in Scripture? You know, if I could... Well, I can't. The number of times people have come to me after I have been speaking and said, Chris, it's almost as if you were speaking only to me. The words that you spoke were exactly what I needed to hear. And of course, that wasn't me because I don't know what everyone needs to hear. And that doesn't happen to everybody all the time. But it happens over and over and over again. As God, by His Spirit, enables people to hear the Word preached and brings the Word to life and speaks into their experience, they encounter the living Jesus. And they are changed by Him. And their eyes are open to what He wishes for them to do or what He wants them to know. Remarkable. Another story about Scripture from my sabbatical. I was halfway through the sabbatical and again, a, a, a beautiful moment in my life that I know you've heard about before, but halfway through and I had really been struggling. It was the worst experience of my life that prompted the sabbatical. I needed to get away. I had a broken heart. In the first half, God spoke powerfully into my life and I was up a, at a cottage on a spiritual retreat again, but I could see halfway through the, the possibility, the, the, you know, the, the, the return to IPC. And I was still so hurting that I said, Lord, I don't want to go back. You know, that really hurt. It was a struggle. And I blame no one for my burnout except me. My issues were being addressed. God surfaced them and God healed them. But I thought about going back and I didn't want to go back into ministry. Well, I said, God, that's up to you. If you want me to go back, I'll go back. But I'm being honest with you. Well, the next morning I got up and I did what I normally do. I read scripture and I journaled and I read powerful life-changing books such as I've described to you already. And that day I just happened to read Psalm 29. And that's a psalm that talks about the power of the word of God, how the power, it's illustrated, you know, of that voice splits the cedars of Lebanon and twists the oaks bare. Mm. And the Spirit of God spoke to me in that moment and <laughs> said essentially something as I have spoken to you during this time of healing and sabbatical as my word has become incredibly powerful to you in healing. So my word, my voice will continue to be powerful when you go back and I will sustain you and I will guide you and I will lead you and I will bless you with my word. And I knew what God wanted me to do. And I said, all right, I'll go back and I will trust you to continue the healing and to continue to speak and to continue to guide. My friends, that too was an experience of Christ by his spirit in my life, powerful and life-changing. Last story I want to tell you is, is, is how provision is given to us through our experience of Jesus. And again, really briefly, because I've shared it before, but I'm hitting on the highlights for you. It's no wonder you've heard some of this before. But we had a pledge drive campaign to pay down the mortgage in this building when we first moved in. And Heather, my wife, and I made a pledge that was substantial because God led us to that number as I had encouraged everyone to go to him and find out what he wanted them to do. And what happened is, without going into detail, that God provided to me in two separate occasions the monies that I needed from a completely unexpected source so that I could pay our pledge down. 
You know, I had gone to a new accountant and the new accountant noticed that the previous accountant hadn't applied for something and he went back two or three years and I get a check for thousands of dollars. And I said to him, could you go back two or three more years? He said, I'll, I'll try. And he did and I got thousands more dollars returned to me. And it's when that second check came in the mail and it was in my hand, as happened then, <laughs> it hit me. God has provided. God has acted. This is the provision that he promises to those who will obey him as he leads them forward. What an experience of the Lord in blessing. Listen to, my Listen to this, my friends. I, I want you to know <laughs> the point in all of this is that we are to be experiencing Christ in our lives. It's, it's there for us so that we are changed so that we go deeper into a relationship with God. You see, we can live on the surface, if you would, with a shallow relationship with Jesus, if we wish. But we can go deep. We can encounter him profoundly. We can experience him. And like this man born blind, we can see what we didn't see before, experience the power of God at work in our lives, and be changed. Be changed. I want to suggest to you, essentially, this text is an invitation to you and to me. An invitation for us to go deeper with Jesus. To discover in our experience his presence and his goodness and his love and his power as we've never experienced it before. And so to be changed by him. What can we do if we want to encounter this more? I want to take you to a, a verse that I just think it's so, so important. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. It says this, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. <laughs> My friends, what we can do is to seek the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with our, our whole being. And if we will do that, the text here says we will find him in that deeper and more profound experience such as the man born blind knew. You know, this is not all that un dissimilar to Matthew chapter 6, 33, that we are to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. I preached that a month and a half ago now. Are you seeking God? Or are you just believing in him? You see that the difference that our lives are to be focused on pursuing this one named Jesus Christ, his mind, his will, and experience of him, his righteousness. Our lives are to be focused on seeking God. And if we will seek God with all of our heart and with our soul, the Bible says that we will find him. I encourage you to do it, that you might know more of the experience of Christ in your life. Number two, Ask God big prayers. You know, let's not just ask God for the little stuff. What is your need? What is your need? I would suggest to you right now, as is the case in this story, Jesus knows your need. He sees your need more clearly than you do, as he saw the need of the blind man who didn't even see him. But my friends, we are invited to bring to God our need. And as we do so, we are told that we will receive. Again, 
the previous sermon series flowing out of the Sermon on the Mount. Ask and you will receive, Jesus said. Ask me and you will receive, Jesus said, because you have a God who loves you and wants to bless your life and wants to intervene in giving you what you need as he did with the man born blind. My friends, what are the greatest needs in your life right now? What are they? Even if they're large needs, even if they're significant, even if it seems nobody, not even God, can meet them, ask him and God will move and you will see as the light of the world shines in your life and you will understand more profoundly who Jesus is and you will come to a deeper faith in Jesus. Ask and you will receive. See, my friends, hear the invitation of the Lord today and never be satisfied only with knowing his truth. I'm not diminishing the knowledge of God. I'm not diminishing the truth of Scripture. They are critical. But don't be satisfied only with knowing Jesus without experiencing him too. I want to finish by again giving you the sequence of this man born blind. Didn't see Jesus. He experienced his grace. He experienced his presence. He experienced his power and his love and healing. And it led him to see through the eyes of faith, not only physically but spiritually, to believe in Jesus. He said that, Lord, I believe. And then what does it say? He ended up worshiping Christ. My friends, that's the journey we're to take over and over again. So encountering Jesus that we understand his heart for us, we see what he's done in our lives, so that we come to that place where we worship him as Lord. Heartfelt, deep, joyful, sincere worship of Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. This, my friends, is what we're called to. This is to be a singular priority in our lives. As we seek the Lord, we will find him so that we might worship him as we ought. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, is a remarkable thing uh, that we are invited to in this text. Lord, it's not just for us to believe in you and to know your truth, to believe that you're the Son of God, the one who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin, the one who rose again to new life to be our Lord. These are incredibly important things for us to know, and we have to go deeper in knowledge. But Lord, you also want us to experience you in our real life, in our day-to-day -day living as you come out of love and out of a heart of blessing to meet our need. Lord, my prayer is for every person who listens to this sermon, that they will seek you with all of their hearts and with all of their souls, that they will ask you for the big needs in their lives, and they will see you moving in a powerful way, Lord, that they will experience you. I pray, Lord, that they won't experience you just for the sake of experience, but that it might deepen their faith so that they come to worship you as they ought. Lord, thank you that you're real in our lives, that you're present, that you love us, that you care about us, that you're willing to act for us. I pray that every single person today, Lord, who hears this sermon, that they will have a deeper experience of you because of what they have heard today in their lives, I pray. Reveal yourself to them. 
shine as the light of the world so the works of God might be displayed in their lives for their sake and for the sake of other people. Lord, that they might go deeper in faith in their walk with you. And this, our God, we pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen.